0: i to invite you to turn or find your way to Psalm 107. Welcome for being here today. How many of you are already, those of you who are, uh, well, maybe even online, but those of you in person, how many of you already went to Connect Group this morning? I saw you talked about, so that was awesome, and, and I think it's really, I was really encouraged and kind of excited this morning as we were in first service, knowing that the entire building was filled with people opening up their Bible and reading God's Word and learning kids to not so... Much kids, right? We'll say that way. Psalm 107, though, is this song, as I talked about. It, it's a song that's very clear when you read it that there's four verses and then there's a chorus, and the chorus seems really obvious. Um, but before we get into the actual song, it seems like there's an introduction. Okay, so Psalm 107, let's read the first three verses. I'll read them for you. Psalm 107, 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. God is good. And all the time? I just like saying that. For his mercy endures forever. Verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He's gathered out the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And this song that the, the psalm writer is writing about, it seems to be when the nation of Israel was in captivity for the 70 years in Babylon, now they have come back, and it's a song of praise and remembrance of what God had done for them. And it seems like this introduction is, is important for us because it seems like verse 4 is where the song actually begins. So what is the importance of the first three verses? Because there's this command, give thanks to the Lord, and then there's two reasons why we should give thanks to the Lord. The first is because He is good. The second reason is because His mercy endures forever. Aren't you thankful His mercy endures forever? God is good and His mercy endures forever is what the psalmist says. And then he says this, so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's this declaration because you have been redeemed, then you should tell people that God is good and His mercy endures forever. So then we also have to understand if the psalmist is seeming to give this introduction, God is good and His mercy endures forever let the redeemed of the Lord say so, then everything that follows in this song would would be applicable or it would be an understanding of someone who has been redeemed. And so then I think it's important for us to understand, well, does the rest of the song apply to me? Because it seems that it applies to those who have been redeemed. Let's think about a word first. It says, His mercy endures forever. Well, what is mercy? Mercy. Mercy, the simple definition, is that I don't get what I do deserve. It's kind of the other side of grace. Grace is that I get something that I don't deserve, and that would be, when we talk about salvation, I get forgiveness of sins. I get eternal life in heaven. And mercy, then, is I don't get what I actually do do deserve, and what do I deserve that seems to be important for us to know? Well, the Bible is very clear. Paul wrote in Romans that all have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And then he writes in Romans chapter 6, the punishment, the wages, what I deserve for my sin is death. So when I think about mercy, it's not getting what I deserve, then I have to understand that as a human being, what I deserve because I've sinned is death. That's eternal separation from God, and that's what Paul wrote. And when he said, "All of sin have fall short of the glory of God," and then he says, "The wages of sin is death." Pause for a moment. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter number two. The wages of sin is death. What I deserve because of sin—we've all sinned—is death, and death meaning separation from God for all of eternity. What I deserve is hell. Hell is a place where people who have not received the mercy of God will spend an eternity paying the sin debt in torment. But I want mercy in my life. I don't want that. So, the wages of sin is death. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4. Paul says, but God. If you don't have those two words circled, underlined, highlighted, starred, whatever you do, mine is highlighted in bright pink. But God, but God what? Who is rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Mercy is that I deserve death, but God doesn't give that to me. Well, the next word we think about, it makes this proclamation, right? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So what the psalmist is saying is that his mercy endures forever. So he's speaking to those who have received God's mercy. And then he says, if you have received God's mercy, let the redeemed, he would call you redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So what does the word redeemed mean? It's a simple definition is that it means to be bought back or to be purchased, That we have been redeemed. So what the psalmist is saying, this psalm applies to people who understand and have received God's mercy. So let them who have been redeemed read the rest of the psalm. Well, turn back probably a page or two in your Bible, depending on how many notes you have, to Ephesians chapter 1. And Ephesians chapter 1 speaks to that definition or that word, redeemed. To be bought back, to be purchased. Ephesians 1 verse 7. It says, in him, and that in him is being Christ. In Christ, we have redemption. Redemption, what was that? To be purchased, to be bought, to be redeemed. Well, What were we redeemed with, or from, or for? What does it say? In him, we have redemption through his blood, through the blood of Jesus. It's the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of, his grace and so when we think about this psalm before we really get into the song the question we all need to understand and answer is have we been have you been redeemed have you been bought by the blood of jesus can i tell you that he died for you and that he did pay your sin debt but you have to receive it and apply it to your account and it's easy to do. There's three simple steps. It's simply admitting, admitting what we already read that Paul wrote, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory, admitting that I'm a sinner and that I need Jesus. And then it's simply believing, believing that while I was sinner, Christ died for me. It's one of the most quoted verses, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that whoever, what's the word? Believes. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I'm gonna admit, yes, I am a sinner and I need Jesus. I'm gonna believe that Jesus died To redeem me back to God. That is the greatest news you could hear. And then I'm going to confess. I'm going to confess that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can be redeemed to God except through Jesus. So, have you been redeemed? Have you prayed to admit, God, I'm a sinner? I believe Jesus died for me, and I confess. I confess my need for Jesus, and I confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, whether you're watching online, whether you're watching this later, and it's recorded, whether it's any of you in the room this morning, what I want you to understand is if you've never been redeemed, you've never been bought, you can do that right now. You can admit, you can believe, you can confess, and I'm going to lead you through just a simple prayer, and it's just you talking to God, but it's you putting your own words, it's those three things, admitting you're a sinner, believing Jesus died, confessing Jesus is Lord. So whether you're in person, online, you may say something like this, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. And I confess that Jesus is Lord. And I ask you to forgive me and to save me, to redeem me. And here's the great news if, if you've talked to the Lord about that, guess what? You've been redeemed, you've been bought by the blood of. Of Jesus, And what Ephesians would later term it is, you have now been adopted into the family of God. You see, every person on earth is a creation of God, but not every person on the earth is a child of God. But now, because you've given your life to Christ, you've been redeemed, what Ephesians would say, now you've been adopted into the family of God, and you are a child of God. And, and I want to celebrate that with you. If you made that decision, I would love to celebrate. This church would love to celebrate with you. And the easiest way for us to know that is, is if you would just text the one word SAVED. Simply text the word SAVED to the number on the screen. Again, whether you're here in person, grab your phone out, text the word SAVED to the number on the screen, or maybe you're sitting in your living room kind of jealous of you, but you're sitting in your living room drinking your coffee. It's the greatest decision ever made. And so now you understand why the psalmist says, The Lord is good. His mercy endu- endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So turn me back to, to Psalm 107. And as I already kind of you, gave you the pattern, the outline for this song, I want us just to walk through it pretty quickly this morning. And then just kind of some points of application that we'll see at the end in verse 43. So look at verse number 4. And in in this pattern, what we see is the underlying understanding that there's what the author is trying to make us realize, the picture he's trying to paint is a picture of desperation. and He's going to use a couple different ways to express that. Verse number 4 is the first one. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. They were hungry and they were thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. It's, It's this picture of being lost in the desert. And of course, the people of Israel would completely identify with his image. They're lost in the desert. They had no city. They were hungry. They were thirsty. And what should they do? Verse number six. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distress. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city. He specifically answers the question. They didn't have a city. Now they have a city. Why? For a dwelling place. And then we get to the chorus that we're going to see over and over in this song. And it's almost as if, the way I read it, it's almost as if the the author understands the history of the nation of Israel. We've seen this over and over again. The pattern here is they're desperate, they cry out, God delivers them. What seemed to be the pattern for the nation of Israel over and over is that they again put themselves in a position that they were desperate, they cry out, and they need deliverance. And what the author seems to be encouraging them to do is, you've cried out to God, God has rescued you, he's delivered you, so how should you respond? Verse 8, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men, men. for he satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with with goodness, and it's like the, the author is just saying, please don't forget the goodness of God. You were desperate, you cried out, he delivered you, now be grateful. Well, let's look at the next verse then, in verse number 10. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, they were bound in affliction and irons. And it gives this picture, the imagery here is that they were locked in a dungeon. So we go, we, we go from being lost in the desert to being locked in a dungeon. This is just this picture he's painting of desperation. Verse number 11, though, we have a little more understanding about why they're in the dungeon. Because they rebelled against the words of God. And they despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Again, he's painting the picture of being desperate, despair. But it changes a little bit in this verse because this verse talks about and gives us the reason. You see, sometimes the desperation that we're in is a result of decisions we've made. Let me say that again. Sometimes the desperation we find ourselves in is a result of decisions we've made. When we run from God, there are going to be consequences from running from God. Just like you teach your kids, every choice has a consequence, right? Everything has a result. So, here's the good news, though. Because... Again, it's very clear, they're in despair, they're in the chains, the imagery he's using here, they're in complete desperation because of the decision they made, because they have sinned, because they have run from God, and it points to the Old Testament covenant the nation of Israel had with God, that if you obey, I will bless, if you disobey, I will curse. But here's the good news this morning, because maybe today you're in a a state of desperation, And maybe it's a result of some of your decisions. But the psalmist doesn't put a qualifier on here. What does he say to do? Look at verse 13. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. In other words, even though it was because of their disobedience they found themselves in despair, God still rescues them when they cry out. That's good news. That's what John wrote about, First John. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In other words, you can't get too far from God. When you cry out to God in sincere repentance, God will rescue you. And then the psalmist again says, oh, verse 15, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron into. He has set them free. Verse number 17. Again, we're going to get a picture of desperation. The picture here is that of lying on their deathbed. So we go from lost in the desert to locked in a dungeon to, to lying on the deathbed. And fools, verse 17, fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. So it's sickness. And unfortunately, in our world today, because of sin, we have sickness. Because of sin, we have death. And it's a spirit of desperation. We we've all had that when someone we know is sick. Some of you have heard the words. It's Not good what I see on the scan. And we've had desperation. And what does the psalmist say they did in their desperate state? Verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and, and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. They were desperate. They cried out. God delivered them. And again, the psalmist, you kind of feel this tension building like, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving, let them declare the words with rejoicing. They were desperate they cry out, God delivers them. And the psalmist is just saying, please recognize the goodness of God. Recognize it was God that brought you out of despair. Recognize it was God that saved you. It was God who delivered you. And then he goes on in verse 23. The imagery here is like the lost in the deep or lost at sea. It says those who who go down to the sea ships, who do business on great waters. They see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep, for He commands and raises the stormy wind, which lift up the waves of the sea. They mount up to to heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man, and they are at their wit's end. You ever been at your wit's end? For a lot of different reasons, right? And it's this picture of being lost at, See, you're being lost in the deep or being in the storm. They say that you're either just coming out of a storm in the middle of a storm or what's the third option? Going into the storm. And and some of you, I'm sure today, feel like I just want the storm to be over. That's kind of like this last seven months has been, feel like, one big storm, had not it? It seems like we've all been in the storm together, haven't we? But what could we acknowledge even in the storm? Oh, the goodness of God. Look what happens as they are in the storm. Verse 28, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. He brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quieted. So he guides them into their desired haven. God calmed the storm. And the psalmist again, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of elders. This speaks to what we already did this morning in the in the congregation of the lord we praise the lord oh that men would give him thanks let him exalt let him praise in the assembly of the people in verse 33 then in following 33 and verse 42 we won't take time to read that but it just kind of gives you this picture of the old testament covenant of blessing and cursing like there's people that have a lot but they don't obey god so then they have nothing there's people that have nothing uh, they do obey god god blesses them, and that's just kind of the back and forth that you see in those few verses. But look at verse number 43, the, the conclusion of this song. It says, Who, whoever is wise will observe these things. They will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. So there's two statements in this verse. Whoever is wise will observe these things. Well, what things are they supposed to observe? What would be wise to observe? And I think it's very simple. It's a pattern we see over and over. And I think it speaks to us today. When you find yourself in a desperate situation, cry out to God because he delivers. God is big enough. God listens. God hears. God sees. God knows. And maybe this morning, you are desperate. And what would the song teach us? What are we observing in these things is that when we are in a desperate situation, we should cry out to God because he can deliver. The second statement in verse 43 then says, understand the loving kindness of God. Understand the loving kindness of God. So the first thing we're supposed to do is observe all these things. And I think observation leads to understanding. When we observe what God has done, we observe that all the goodness of God, it leads us to understanding. And then it says, understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And I think when we come to a greater understanding of who God is, what God has done, when we recognize, you feel the tension of the psalmist saying, oh, I wish men would give thanks to the Lord. He's the one that delivered them. He's the one that's good. He's the one that rescued them. And over and over again, I see it in my own life. I'm desperate. I cry out to God. He delivers me. And I just go on with my life the observation leads us to understanding and the understanding should lead us to thanksgiving it is God who is good it is his mercy that endures forever let the redeemed of the Lord say so so what's the simple takeaway this morning you should have figured it out by now probably Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I want to ask uh, Ben and the praise team to come, but as they come, I, I want us to think there's two types of people in the room this morning. There's those of us in the room, maybe some of you in the room this morning, that you fall into this category of we see the pattern in the verse desperation, they're overwhelmed, they feel trapped, they feel like they're about to die. And and maybe this morning you walked into this building, maybe you joined us online and, and you just feel absolutely desperate. You're in the middle of the storm and you just feel overwhelmed. I want to encourage you this morning, if that's you, I know that uh, during the last several months we have not really uh, invited you to come forward and pray, but I wanted to say, if you you feel comfortable doing that and you want to put your mask on and come down and pray, and, and today it's where you're at is in that spirit of desperation, I would say as the psalmist sees the pattern over and over, they were desperate and then they cried out to the Lord. Would you cry out to God this morning? to rescue you, to save you from your trouble. Now there's some of us in the room this morning that it's like the psalmist in the chorus is saying to you, do you not acknowledge what I have done for you? Many people have lost their job and you've kept yours during this pandemic. Too often, I, I know for me, I fail to recognize all that God has done in my life. So maybe that's you today. God God has brought you through the storm. And and maybe you would come forward this morning just, just to thank God. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. And his mercy endures.